So if we talk broadly about 2020, uh, it's not just Elizabeth Warren Medicare for all. It's everybody in the Democratic field and even President Trump talking about how to revamp the system. What's the right question that they need to be asking? What do you think about socialized health care? From New York I to Minneapolis, like Atlanta to Seattle, health care workers take a knee for racial well, injustice. Plus, the idea so of universal health care taking another In other words, Australia spends about 5,000 USD per person, while the U.S. spends over 10,000. Can India afford health care for all? on issues and topics relevant to the world, along with some guests. In this podcast, we try to raise awareness on the subjects discussed to spark action and discussion amongst yourselves. In this last episode of the season, we weigh the pros and cons of healthcare in the United States, United Kingdom, Australia, and Canada. So Arturo, when you think of healthcare, what's the first thing that comes in your mind? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. And I'll be honest with my viewers too, healthcare and anything pre-med related is just not my strong suit. When I listen to politics or debates, I don't really listen to healthcare topics that much. And I remember I was speaking with a friend one time and they asked me, do you know about the healthcare system or do you know how, do you know how it works? And I'll be honest, I said, no, I really don't know how it works. And so doing this episode alone was already a bit rough for me. And considering the limited amount of time I had to prepare for this, I think it's definitely a challenge. And so I think based on the research that I've done and the minuscule amount of knowledge that I have on healthcare, I would say the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is universal healthcare. Because that's the, the name that really comes to mind from debates that I've heard and policies that politicians push out. No, oh, wow, that was a lot of peas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say like universal healthcare and even that I'm still trying to get a handle on understanding. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm happy to do this episode and and this last, and this first season with healthcare and, you know, give Umar a chance to really shine on his healthcare knowledge and actually, I, I want to let him actually speak on like, what's the first thing that comes to mind, but also like, I know he was writing a paper and I'd love for him to summarize like what he, what he wrote about. And yeah, I mean, Umar, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, man? I, my yeah. answer is a little long, but you know, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, mine is a bit more technical, I guess, in terms sure. of, and I guess this goes hand in hand with the paper I was writing about. So I wrote about the Affordable Care Act which is the uh, healthcare system that we have in the States. Do you know much about that, by the way? Yeah, so I know that the Affordable Care Act was implemented to be able to give Medicaid for everybody because Medicaid was originally to 
help the lower class people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically what it was, was like you said, to lower the amount of uninsured people in the United States, because we have a big problem with that because we don't right. have a universal health care, right? Right. So what Obama did basically was he passed this law, which gave more access to healthcare by setting up this healthcare marketplace, you could say. Basically, I guess you could summarize it by saying it's kind of like a store, uh, like an Amazon store. Basically, you just go on there, it's a website, and there's a bunch of different healthcare options that you can choose from that you qualify for. And there's different levels to it too, like there's a bronze level, like a gold level, and you get more like perks based on that. It's pretty affordable too. It's completely like uh, specified for you. So you can see what you need. And along with that, for, there are still some people that don't necessarily uh, want healthcare, like uh, private insurance per se, because they see it as like for us, we're generally healthy people in our age group, right? And people like us, they don't want help to spend on healthcare because it's just not something that they need right now. You know, you don't want to spend on something that you're not going to need for hospital. You're not going to hospitals or anything like that. So why spend on it? So what Obama did for that was that he implemented a tax basically for anyone who is not purchasing healthcare. So you have to give them extra taxes if you don't get healthcare. So that uh, incentivizes you, I guess, to get more of that healthcare, right? And it's specifically for our age group, you have this rule where you can be on your parents' healthcare plan until you're 26 and there's no catches to it. Even if you're married, if you're, even if you're not living with your parents, you're on that plan. So it really just lowers the uninsured amount of people, if that makes sense to you. Right, right. And I know from what I've seen too, the Affordable Care Act had got a lot of flack or just a lot of hate. Is it because of the taxes? Taxes is one part of it. Another part of it is the quality of care. Like, you know, whenever you have a bunch of quantity of something that doesn't necessarily correlate with uh, quality, right? right? That means that it's not as good, for example, as you would have if you have lower amounts, but you really like racked up on how good it is, right? If that makes sense too. So that was a big part of it because there's a lot of under insurance with it. Do you know what that means? Say that one more time. Under insurance. Yeah, could you explain that? Yeah, so that's basically where you're covered by insurance, but okay. just because you technically have insurance doesn't mean that you're they're paying for every single thing. Basically, under insurance is where you're paying for most of the things even while you're being covered by insurance. So you have a lot of mm. out-of-pocket fees. So that's like the biggest problem with it, I would say. Mm, okay. Yeah, because I know that Republicans specifically, they were the, really the ones who did not like afford the Affordable Care Act. But I think from what I've seen, a little bit of the research I did, it benefited a lot of people too. I mean, it because did. it you know, gave insurance to the uninsured and the lower class people. Exactly. Like, it's not where you want to be for example, like with universal healthcare. And we'll talk about more countries that you could argue that they do better than us. 
in that mm -hmm. sense, but it's a step in the right direction for it compared to what we had before. And mm -hmm. you were talking about the Republican uh, congressmen and whatever. They're actually kind of part of the problem with that because what it does is it expands Medicare as well for the poor and everyone. Medicaid, sorry. But yeah, it expands that. But that's based on every single state, meaning a state can allow for the expansion of it. But all the Republican states, or most of them, are saying, yeah, no, we're not going to expand it. So that's actually just causing more failures in those states because all the poor people in, that, in those states and the elderly, they're not getting the uh, insurance that they deserve and that they would get if they were in a democratic state. Why not expand? I don't understand that. What's Politics? There's no Politics. real, yeah, there's no real uh, con, I guess, of expanding. All it would do is help, really. It's just complete mm. politics, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think that's actually part of the reason why I haven't done too much research on healthcare prior to this, just because politics is messy and it seems like politics just got too involved with, I mean, healthcare. I mean, you could, one could say the same thing about climate change. I think it's gotten politicized to the point where you don't even know which arguments to look up and which arguments are even legitimate. And so it's probably the similar thing with healthcare. And I mean, I'm putting you on the spot a lot, but, and yeah, we were gonna compare other countries as well. What is your thoughts on universal healthcare or what Bernie wants to do, wanted to do? Like what, like how, like what are the pros and cons of that based on like what you've seen maybe? Yeah, so, Again, like I said, with the Affordable Care Act, it's a step in the right direction, right. a really good step actually, but it does have its cons with it. And we'll go into that with all those different countries, but that's the main argument of why it's not passed in the United States. It's passed in many of the major countries. Canada has it, uh, England has a form of it, Australia has a form of it, right? They all have it. But U.S. is kind of stalling it because of our, I guess, political divide that most other countries don't have. Like, we don't really get far in just about anything because of that. And I think that that's a big argument, too, that politics shouldn't really be a part of healthcare. You know, it's not the government's job to decide how our people get access to healthcare, right? It should be a right, not necessarily just laws based on that. But yeah, I guess to delve more into the pros and cons, you want to uh, kind of start getting to different countries? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the first one that pops into my mind was actually Australia. So, I mean, they have Medicare. From what I've seen, they also have Medicare. And they even offer coverage, actually, for people on temporary visas, which I thought was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, so like you said, they have Medicare. They provide care for... Uh, temporary visas but not only that they also provide care for student students like visiting students and even mm -hmm. people seeking asylum from different countries which is a huge step i know most yeah. most countries don't really do that uh for example in the u.s yeah <laughs> so yeah their care is pretty expensive in that sense they have basically universal health care with that and um they also have an optional private insurance that supplements their universal health care 
and basically gives you access to more things than you would get just from U- U.S. Um, sorry, not just universal healthcare. Mm-hmm. And about fifty percent of them do have private insurance. So basically, coming back to the U.S. here, a lot of pe- people's arguments against universal healthcare is they want their private insurance. If the U.S. makes universal healthcare and they make it kind of like what Australia does, you can still have a private insurance. Like that won't go away. If you want it, you can have it. And you in fact get more benefits from it. It's kind of like a two tier thing where you have the basic universal healthcare and you want extra things on top of that. You can get your private insurance, which you can get through jobs and stuff. Okay. And that's actually one thing I want to ask too. This might be a little bit of a, um, a funny question, but when we talk about private and public insurance, like private insurance just offers more, I guess, coverage versus yeah. the public like how does it work that like that process a little bit yeah so the public one covers a majority of like the emergency things for okay. example you break your leg you need a care stat like the emergency room stuff that'll cover yeah. most of that private care goes more into primary care physicians which is your normal like going to the clinic all that stuff also Mm. elective procedures plastic surgery things like that Mm, okay Mm -hmm. i see and okay that go go ahead ahead. go ahead no go ahead yeah so i was saying with australia specifically medicare actually covers most of it though like about 85 Mm. to 100 percent of the services you need it'll Mm. cover so that's actually more is covered by uh, the public by public care than it is private so it really is not a necessity to get pri- private care there. Because mm, public already offers most of the- A lot, yeah, dentistry, uh, outpatient drugs, everything. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, I mean, another thing that I caught, and you know, I watched a video on this too. I mean, the primary care doctors are, over there are usually self-employed, but with the US it's, um, well, I don't same. know how it works, but they're even self-employed. Oh, it's the same thing in the US. Basically. Most of them, yeah. Most of them, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense too then with the, when we talk about private insurance because one could understand in the US why somebody just wants their private insurance because of that, you know, that bigger coverage. So right. one could they understand, just, I guess, the concern too. They have a big misconception about that your private insurance will go away, which is not necessarily th- true if you go with this type of healthcare system. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess to kind of close off in Australia, we, I did want to actually get into some cons. And I noticed from, you know, and this stuck out to me just because of my field of study, but indigenous populations in Australia apparently have lower health. And well, I mean, can you explain that a little bit? Like, what are the reasons for that, perhaps? Or, yeah. So, or like more cons from Australia besides that? Yeah, so that is actually one of the bigger ones is that they have a disparity problem between both low income and high income and also racial disparities too, in terms of how much care you get. I think a big reason for that is uh, out of pocket costs, because like I said, not everything is covered by the public insurance. So you do have some out of pocket costs that you have to pay for yourself if you don't have private insurance or if your private insurance doesn't cover it. Mm. But I think with that too, like the flip side of that is that after you pay a certain amount in your uh, out-of-pocket fees, 
then Medicare will cover the rest of the fee schedule for the doctors for the rest of the year. And mm -hmm. if you okay. pay an even higher amount than that, I don't know the exact specific amount, but a higher amount than that, then Medicare is going to cover 80% of every out-of-pocket cost that you have for the rest of the year. So mm -hmm. it kind of tries to help in that sense. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so along with that, they're also trying to implement more of a um, pay per performance thing where they're trying to yeah. I guess, Can you explain that a little? I, yeah, because I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's basically two types of things. There's a fee for service and pay for performance. Fee for service is more your typical uh, going like going to a restaurant, for example. You pay for an appetizer. You pay for an entree. And all of it racks up at the end. So you pay for each service that you need. Pay for performance is basically the doctors get paid for how good their service is, basically. If that makes sense. How do, how do they determine that? Like, is there just certain qualifications that the doctor yeah. needs to meet to meet like basically. a certain pay point? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure about the specifics, but yeah, basically that's the gist of it. And so mm. that kind of helps in... I guess, bettering the quality that they have a problem with. And in fact, their quality is actually better than the United States. Mm, yeah, I remember hearing that part. Yeah. Yeah, Australia seems to be doing really good at that, the mm. healthcare. I mean, off the bat, I mean, we'll talk about who has the best healthcare in the end, but Australia seems to have the best uh, healthcare system, I would say. It looks like it. So let's do, let's do, yeah, let's compare other countries the next one i got here is canada 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 and australia actually have a bunch of similarities they also For have sure. uh they have major government spending 70 percent of their stuff is uh, through government spending 30 percent of it is through private insurance mm -hmm. and all that some things that make up those 30 percent is dentistry optometry which is you know getting your glasses and all that yeah. and uh getting outpatient drugs things like that. So you, for those three things, you have to pay yourself. Mm. And uh, with the government spending, that's more geared towards the hospitals, like Australia. Everything you need in the hospital, they'll cover for you. Primary care, again, is more of the privately funded things that you can get. Uh, again, this one's actually through fee-for-service, which, do you remember what that is? Yeah, can you explain that? Yeah, so like I said with the restaurant analogy, is basically a bill that racks up through every single different service you need. Right. So with the restaurant, you get an appetizer, that's part of your bill, entrees yeah. part of your bill, drinks, all that. So that's how the primary care get primary care doctors get most of their money from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know one of the other things I noticed too is that the doctor's income in Canada is can be really high. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as, yeah, I don't think it's as good as the United States income, mm -hmm. but a big uh, reason for that is because the United States doesn't have universal health care. If you compare Canada to the other universal health care systems, then doctors do have a higher income, but compared to us, they don't because here you have more private insurance, which pays more for doctors and to the doctors. That's Mm, okay. And yeah, you actually made a good point. So in the US, if you were to be a doctor 
and we were to adapt universal health care or Medicare for all, then that would lower, and I remember we talked about this before, that would lower the doctor's income, which was one of the things that you were worried about, right? Yeah, so from a doctor's point of view, universal health care isn't the best of things. It mm-hmm. has its pros and cons from a doctor's point of view versus you have lower income if you go universal health care. You also have more work to do. It's not as much mm-hmm. specialized as it is in the United States. Right. But some of the pros of that is the paperwork is way lower. A major problem here is the paperwork. Like, for mm-hmm. example, I've shadowed doctors in the past. And you'd be surprised about how, how much of the time they spend in the office is actually just behind a desk working through paperwork as opposed to actually seeing the uh, patients. And that a big reason for that is because of insurance and things like that. And also another uh, pro of universal healthcare for doctors is just, obviously, you know, you're doing a, a better thing by covering more people. I know that the wait time for supplies, like necessary supplies is very long, but it's cost effective. Is that kind of related to the paperwork perhaps? Or how does that work? In a like, sense, why is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, so a big thing about Canada from the United States point of view, a lot of people think that they have like huge wait times and everything. Right. And they do have wait times. It's not like they don't. But right. most of those wait time numbers that you see, they come from elective things. Like, for example, plastic surgery, right? You don't mm-hmm. have that much of a wait time for emergency room things like some people are like make it out to seem that oh if you have a broken leg or something you're gonna have to wait in the emergency room waiting room for like forever to get care which is not true right a lot of it is just elective things that you don't need urgent care for that's where the wait times come in and along with that a lot of people here say that many uh, people come in from canada to the united states just to get uh you know, more uh, care, I guess, quicker care, quickly, because yeah, they need it. Yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. yeah. And again, those numbers are kind of misleading because a lot of where those numbers come from are just Canadian tourists just here, and they just, surprisingly, they need care, and so they just go to one of our hospitals because they're here. So that's where a ma- uh, big amount of that those numbers come from. And to throw... I guess a surprise one out there, and we were gonna end the episode with this, but figured we could just put it in. Canada and Australia and the US, the countries that we just talked about so far, how has COVID-19 been handled so far in those countries? And like, how, I guess, how has the healthcare system in those three countries been affected by COVID? I know the post that we made recently, Australia is on track to eliminate COVID-19 because they, put in about $3 billion on vaccine research. Yeah. So all three of them are in kind of three different st- stages, I guess you could say. Right. Australia, like you said, they're on track to eliminate it. Um, a good reason for that is they acted fast. Along with them, close by to them, New Zealand, you know, they're, I'm pretty sure they've already beaten it because they closed their entire borders and everything. They did a complete lockdown. Australia has done the same thing before. Their cases rose again, but it's gotten lower again. Canada, their cases are getting higher again, 
but actually today I just heard that Canada just went into another lockdown. Like this oh, morning, yeah. they just announced that. Yeah. yeah. And then in terms of the United States, well, it keeps on getting higher and we yeah, haven't really gone surprise. into another lockdown yet. Which I guess you can see the trend here is that a big re- way to eliminate a COVID-19 is just lockdown. It's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to do with healthcare in that sense. You just got to stop the spread, you know, and those countries have been more active in that, in locking down their country. Well, we haven't. And because of that reason, it's kind of stalled. Right. Yeah. Because the reason I brought that up too, is because with all the people getting cases in the United States, some are already throwing out that the healthcare system is just going to be broken because so many people are in need of urgent care and all that yeah so there's more uh how do i say this there's a more influx of patients because of COVID 19 obviously and you're just trying to see how each country kind of deals with that you know some countries are better than others in that some countries are kind of understaffed in that sense because there's more because for example for here we're not going into a lockdown and because of that there's more people with COVID-19 and because of that there's more people coming to the hospitals which we've gotten better now than we have before because we have more research on how to prevent it Mm -hmm. but before you had no idea what this was how to stop it Mm -hmm. and yeah the uh, hospitals were completely overrun and that's not just here, too. That was for everywhere in the beginning. Right, right. And to actually, um, I know you made a point a little before. Um, you said that Canada announced their lockdown like this morning. Just for everybody, for the viewers, for the listeners, today's November 21st. And so they just made that report, mm-hmm. November 21st, just to get a little time, date stamp in there. Um, but yeah, that's really, yeah, that's like really interesting. And so I guess we'll just move on to the next country that we got, um, the UK, the United Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so the UK also has a universal healthcare system. Mm -hmm. They're more socialized than, for example, the uh, um, Australia or Canada are, meaning that they cover a lot more. They don't cover dentistry and they don't cover outpatient drugs. But uh, with outpatient drugs, some for some people they do cover for example pregnant women um kids under the age of 16 i believe and kids older than 16 if they go to school and along with the uh, people with chronic diseases they get outpatient drugs uh covered everyone else does not though uh you do have private uh insurance there as well but that's more for elective procedures like uh plastic surgery for example uh it covers a lot more people than most other countries do. I believe the mm-hmm. only uh, types of people that they don't cover are tourists and illegal immigrants. Everyone else is covered by this. It's called the NHS for those wondering. I have their own name for it. Yeah. Okay. UK doesn't sound, I mean, it's the closest thing that to like what Bernie's trying to do, right? What the UK has. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, yeah, I haven't really looked into exactly what Bernie was wanting, but 
if you're talking about socialized healthcare, yeah, that's basically the UK, as close as you can get to it. Mm. I'm not sure if Bernie wants that or if just some people, you know, have been saying that. But yeah, that's basically as close to socialized healthcare as you would get. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. What about like, I mean, you said that in the UK, everybody gets, pretty much everybody is able to get basic coverage, right? Yeah. So that even go for, I don't know, um, like lower, lower class people. And okay, I know you, because I know we talked a little bit yesterday about um, how the UK is a little bit, I guess, racist towards like certain groups of people. So are those people also like equally covered or did they get some kind of, like, do you see disparities with that? Yeah, I mean, each every country has the disparities, but right. the UK isn't like completely raging in those either okay like it's not a big problem i would say in that Mm. sense because it's universal like it's free right for most of the urgent things so you don't have those out-of-pocket costs that you would do here for example Mm. you do for the elective things but again you get you can get private insurance if you want so i guess in elective things yeah there's probably disparities more disparities but again those are elective you don't need to do those it's not urgent. Hmm. Okay. You know, we covered basically a lot of the pros for the UK. But I mean, of course, with every country, there's also the cons, like we mentioned with the other three countries. So, I mean, what are the biggest cons for the for the UK specifically? Right. So, you know how I, when I was talking about the Affordable Care Act, how I mentioned quality versus quantity? Right. right. UK has a, a lot of that as well. Meaning... They do have a lot of quantity in terms of how many people are uh, covered by their government, right? But Mm. their quality is not that good. What I mean by that is you're going to have some drugs there that aren't available. Um, Technology isn't as advanced as it is in other countries, for example, here. And Mm. the hospital beds are even scarcer than here. Oh really? So, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, hospitals are also understaffed there, and but they're also overcrowded. So yeah, there's a, it's a big problem, as you can tell. Yeah. Gosh, because that makes me think too about the COVID nineteen. I mean, if they were that understaffed and they're they have a large amount of patients, I mean, how are they able to handle COVID nineteen? Yeah, I mean, I know it's they been placed restrictions early, but. I mean, with all those like different factors, I mean, that yeah, it's hit a toll for sure. Hit Mm. a toll for sure. Yeah. Um, Because of all those understaffed doctors and everything. So I guess like that kind of sums up like the biggest cons that you could get with universal healthcare in the, especially shown in the UK, because theirs is the most socialized out of all, out of Canada and Australia, out of all those universal healthcare governments theirs is the most socialized. And because of that, you get more of those cons like to an extreme, you could say. Mm, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, um, and another question I wanted to ask too, um, I know we were talking about how much doctors get paid and that such. Um, so would you say in the UK, because there's a lower number of doctors, would they be getting paid more? Like probably way more? Than- the U.S. Canada, would you say? Or no? When I say there's a 
They're understaffed. I don't mean that, you know, they're running out of doctors or anything. Uh, well, technically every country is. They don't have, right. no country has like as many doctors as they really need. But yeah. what I meant by that is that the amount of people coming in is way more than the amount of doctors they have. Uh, okay, I see yeah. what you mean. Yeah. So they don't necessarily make more because of that. I think they do make less actually. Not 100% sure on that. But I think they make less than at least the US and Canada. I'm not sure about Australia. Mm, okay. Mm. Well, yeah, and that, the point you made too about the, the quality of the healthcare there is not as good. That, yeah, that, that kind of struck to me. That spoke to me a little bit. Um, well, that's not spoke to me, but that stood out to me for sure. Um, and so when we summarize like all these countries, US, Canada, UK, and Australia, I mean, Australia just seems to be the best option for healthcare. Would you say that? Probably? Yeah, Most I was actually people. gonna ask you because as an outsider's point of view, I wanted to see like from that little brief summary, which ones you would think is the best. I would agree yeah. with that. I think uh, the one we're we would be closest to getting would be Canada's. Cause I think they're the closest to us out of all three. Still right. pretty far cause they have universal healthcare. Right. But I think if out of any of those three, we would choose to go one way or another, or our, our government would choose to go, would be Canada. Which also is not that bad either. It's not necessarily, like both Canada and Australia both have their pros and cons, but they're both not that bad. So yeah, I would say either mm. one of those two, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I mean, from the outsider's point of view, I mean, I mean, being a conflict major, it just stood out to me, the U.S. and its political conflicts and the divide. The divide is really wide, and I don't mean to be a rapper, but it's just very, it's a wide <laughs> divide. Um, and so, I mean, this kind of moves over. <laughs> this kind of moves away from healthcare a little bit, but okay. I guess when you look at like political divides and that sort of thing, I mean. In your opinion, what would it take for people to at least come to a consensus when it comes to healthcare? This, the whole COVID-19 thing. I think if not this, then I don't know what really, but I think if anything, this should be an eye opener for many uh, people in the government because you're seeing how many people, how like, oh, sorry, how struck our government is getting because of all the patients that the hospitals are getting everything. And I think you can see how much of a problem it is here. And then we do need to fix it. So if anything, this is the eye opener. I don't know what else you could do really. No, yeah, and that's, I agree with that, honestly, because I think with COVID, it's revealed a lot of issues with the, this, the US's structure, you know, when you talk about healthcare and then when you talk about, um, what's another one, economics, when you talk about I mean, just the laws in general that are implemented, you could see that COVID kind of exposed everything. And so I, you know, I agree with you on that. And um, yeah, I mean, as for my opinion on like, which healthcare system is the best, I mean, I would say Australia, I mean, of course, no country is gonna be perfect. And I don't think it ever can be because there's just so many people that live in one country. And so not everybody's gonna be happy, but I think yeah, Australia would probably be the best one. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think, it definitely depends, like what you were saying about no one's going to be happy. 
it depends mm. on how most of the people think like for example with canada and australia mm. like their people their government chose actively chose okay we're gonna prioritize getting uh quality getting uh paying less over say wait times right, right. so it's an active choice in each of those and like they're all happy with their healthcare. It's not perfect. Not everyone agrees with it, yeah. but like they're sticking with it. They're not like actively always trying to repeal it or anything. They're just trying to improve it. It depends just on how the people think, you know, what they favor most. Yeah. So really just whatever the pressing issue is at the moment, that's the one that they're going to push for. So if wait times is something crucial, then that's what they're going to address first. Or if it's something else like coverage, and that's what they're going to address first. This depends on the people, which one they hate more, I guess. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like people hate everything these days, honestly. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, it gets exhausting. I mean, yeah, like I mean, I mentioned before, you can never please everybody. You know? So, you know, it's one of those things. But, um, and so healthcare in the U.S., I mean, this probably is a broader question, but what do you think is a pressing issue being a pre-med major? What's the pressing issue for the for the United States that needs to be addressed? I think with the affordable care that we have right now, I think the most pressing pressing issue is the underinsurance, those out-of-pocket costs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, more Medicaid expansion, like we talked about in the beginning, would be great for that. Right. But yeah, I think that's the most pressing issue to fix our current healthcare system. But I think a great step would be if we do go to universal health care, like, for example, mm-hmm. a Canadian one or an Australian one. Again, a Canadian one is probably more likely. I think that would help fix a lot of it. But I don't think everyone here is necessarily ready to make that step. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take a while. And I know that I think AOC, Alexandra Casio-Cortez, that's what she's pushing for, correct? Universal health care, just like Bernie. Yeah, I think she supports him in that, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as, long as she's still in office, hopefully she can keep pushing for that. And so, you know, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, that is our healthcare episode, I would say. I, I think we went through a lot of, I think, a lot more facts than we usually do. So, I thought that was really cool. You know, we tried to nail the numbers as best as we could, or best as we could, honestly. He took the lead on this one. And I think I learned, I think, a good amount. But, you want to talk more about a little bit about season two? Yeah, no, we might as well since we finished this off. Um, but yeah, season two, to be honest, this is our last episode for season one. And we're going to give us, we're going to give ourselves about four weeks of a break to focus on finals and school in general. And season two, we're going to come out with some really good content. We have a number of guests that we already have in mind that we're going to talk with and, you know, bring more topics up to. You know, to fruition um we have a lot we're gonna we're planning on doing some games too or just activities to near the end of each episode to kind of make it a little more entertaining to listen to but also you know balancing out with the you know you learn things aspect as well um and yeah season two i think is going to be a good one and we're gonna one of the things we actually talked about and Omer, i know he's excited about this we're going to be dropping episodes every week as soon as we hit season two, we're going to be dropping episodes every week during our winter break. And so y'all are going to get some quality content from us, from your favorite podcasters. And 
I think that will be really fun. But anything else you wanted to add? I think you had some ideas, but if you wanted to add anything. No, I think that sums it up perfectly without giving away too much. You know? Yeah, yeah for stay sure. tuned. I think January is when our our initial post would probably be. Our initial podcast, I mean. Yeah, I would say January, like as soon as 2021 hits. And um, yeah, so since this is our last one, I mean, happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, happy Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, happy New Year's. I mean, you know, and just expect us to be back better than ever on January, the first week of January. I don't know the day exactly, but first week, first week of January. But hope you all like this episode. Let us know if we could have covered a little bit more with healthcare. We did the best we could, I think. But you know, I think it was really, I think it was a really informative episode. I definitely learned a lot. And yeah, keep pushing for universal healthcare. You know, let's let's advocate. Let's start being activists here in our communities. But all right, this is Global Life episode. What is this episode nine? No, episode eight. No, this is episode nine, right? No, no, I don't even know. Ten. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Okay, nine, 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 nine. Share, subscribe, and let us know your thoughts by leaving a review or by DMing us at our at Global Life IG Instagram page. page.